Good morning. Good morning, Theracane. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you call me by my secret name? <laughs> Derek is referencing the fact that I'm giving myself a back massage as we talk. <laughs> I am a big fan, by the way, and I use it a bunch on Zoom during this pandemic. Yeah. And oh, uh, so good. I always get teased by it, but I'm like, you you don't you don't understand. It's uh, yeah. it's your own personal back massage, man. Yeah, exactly. You can tease me from Notville. Yep, <laughs> exactly. I'll be over here, nice and comfortable. Yep, yep. So, how are things going? Uh, things going pretty good. Yeah, I'm on Pacific time right now, visiting some some family before winter really sets in. Um, so it's been good. Nice to nice to visit some folks, and still cranking cranking hard on Savvy Cal, getting a lot done. So feeling good about I noticed progress these days. A big um, increase in your tweets. Yeah. I feel like I'm back in kind of a public sharing groove on Twitter. It's been nice to kind of feed off that a nice energy loop there, especially as I've been talking about on the product front, talking about some more like differentiating features that I've been working on, stuff that people are really, it's really intriguing people or giving them a reason to like really give a close look to, to Savvy Cal and before they were just kind of watching from the sidelines, you know? So that's been really nice just to kind of test out, you know, what's what kind of gets the most lift and, and get an idea, get a sense for how how in demand some of these features are well from an outsider's perspective Mm -hmm. it makes it feel exciting and like the product is alive so i was i was stoked to see you doing that because like i'm I'm a customer and so i was like "Ooh, new stuff is coming derek's brewing things and it just kind of got me me hyped a little bit yeah you know i've tried this in the past with like when I was doing level for a while, I did like videos that I think people really enjoyed where I was like building features live, you know, in a screencast. And that was nice. And it kind of generated similar buzz, it felt like, but was a ton of work for me and was exhausting. And I like didn't get nearly as much done doing that. So I, I didn't keep up with it. And this feels like more sustainable, like I can at multiple points throughout the day when I'm like either working on a piece of UI or just thinking through a problem, I'm like, what if I could I package this up in a little graphic and, and just describe what I'm doing right now? And people are seeming to really like it. And it doesn't take a ton of effort from me. So um, totally. And you're, you're doing marketing, but without creating a bunch of new stuff or investing a ton of additional effort, the marginal increase is pretty, pretty small. Yeah, I think this is, you know, this is feels to me like kind of one way to do Twitter correctly, you know, because we're in this kind of unique space. We've talked about this a bunch in the past, but like this is where a lot of our markets are hanging out right now. And the power of a tweet can be crazy. Like if if it's something that people really like and they start spreading it around and stuff gets amplified. Totally. I've noticed actually something about myself, which is if I someone recommends a product on Twitter and I'm like, oh, I might want that. I'll actually start following the company account for a while as like a reminder to myself, like, hey, maybe buy this at some point. I do the same thing. Yeah. And then if they have like interesting tweets and they kind of, pay, I'm like, oh yeah, I did want to get this. And like, mm-hmm. eventually I find like it, it kicks me over and like, and then I buy mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's like the kind of the top of the funnel for me now. Yeah. It's making one, one footstep towards it. It's like, well, I'll, I'll get in this stage of your funnel. And if you impress me at this, at this level or just stay on my radar, basically, like if you manage to capture some of my awareness, then then I'll likely, you know, nudge into the next step. It makes me want to step up the tuple Twitter account because I, I bet there are people that are like this. Like for, for me, the most recent example of this was an aura ring, you know, this little fitness tracker ring where it's like, oh yeah, I think I do want one of those. And so once someone mentioned it, I like followed the, the company account 
and like they do a good job of like every so often just putting out like some like retweeting some social proof or like talking about one of their features or like why it's good and I, every time i saw them I'm like oh yeah i think i do want that and i kind of just had this like regular drip of like yeah that does seem good and then finally i was like all right i'm gonna buy this now and then i clicked through them and then bought it mm-hmm. so I, I, think, I think we should be taking advantage of this a little bit yeah it's been fun to watch so i have user list wired up and it doesn't do it like an insane amount of tracking at this point, but it does tell me like when someone was last seen. So I can kind of when I log into the app, I can look at my list of users and it's just kind of automatically ranked by recency of visiting if you're a registered user. And it's been cool to see like when I do this, I'll I'll look in there and just see a bunch of people who signed up maybe a month ago haven't converted yet because I talked about another feature or just kind of, you know, generated a little bit of buzz. They kind of return back and I'm my sense is that eventually this funnel will kind of develop some consistency where it's like on average in this in this band of of users some will just immediately activate but there's probably a thick middle that will on average return you know x number of times you so many touch points before you know nudging over the line so it's been cool to see that like you know people register and they're and i don't know i should probably have more conversations that's i think that's something that my um my helper on the marketing front will be doing a little bit of but like figuring out like what what are the blockers to people activating but i think part of it is just getting building up touch points right um kind of yep. nudges people over totally i feel like it makes you feel your like your product development is is alive like you're you're, you're doing stuff and exciting things are happening and i like had a sense of excitement about savvy cal because i saw several tweets from you i think and i think i would have felt that even if i weren't a customer where it's just like yeah look at derek cranking along and making good features and oh that looks smart and like i like the way he did that and it was it was kind of awesome it really is a virtuous cycle i mean because it's feeding my own energy as well so like uh, the more i put out and the more people get excited the more i get excited the more motivation i have to put out more and it just it kind of it's, it's i'm riding on a high of that right now so totally it's, yeah it's exactly i think yeah it goes two ways which is even better yep yep were you working at like kind of off hours it seemed like those tweets are kind of came out. Yeah. Late <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have been actually um, putting in a little bit of extra time. It's I mean, especially when I'm visiting family schedules are really kind of wonky because, you know, just kind of do do random things throughout the day. But that kind of made it more interesting to me. Like it was kind of like, oh, wow, it's like 10 o'clock. Derek's over here cranking on how this checkboxes should work. And it's like it just added to that sense of like, wow, he's really fired up right now. Yeah. Yeah. And and it really was kind of a reflection of reality. Like I would <laughs> I would hang out for a bit, and then yeah, nine o'clock at night, it's like you know what? I think I can make a little bit of progress on this. And ooh, this looks nice. Maybe I'll tweet about this. And I was caring less about when the optimal time is to talk about the stuff, and just kind of talking about it whenever I'm working on it. You know, I've started. Yeah, there have been times where like it's evening, or like I find that I think about certain. I want to like tweet certain things when I'm like just sort of at home thinking about stuff. And I'm like, oh, well, I probably shouldn't because it's you know Thursday at seven p.m. And it's like I've stopped. I'm gonna stop doing that. I'm just like I actually don't think there's really. I mean, maybe there is like an on out on times and off times on Twitter, but like, it's it's kind of all day. It seems like to me. Yeah, I think people are. I don't know if I can say with confidence they're spending more time on Twitter, but we know people spend a lot of time on Twitter throughout their day. And if you think about it, like those, I found like optimal times for getting likes and retweets is like sometime mid morning generally kind of rule of thumb but if you manage to get something interesting out in a different period of the day then you have less competition almost because there's fewer people probably tweeting 
at that time, perhaps in your time zone range, at least. So it's like you kind of have more of the more of the <laughs> the mind share, you know. Yeah, I time. think I'm going to start ignoring the time because it's like sometimes I have like this an idea I want to get out there and I want to talk to people about it and see what they think and kind of see how it interacts with the world and wait. And sometimes I'll if I wait, I just like I kind of lose the inspiration. And so I'd rather just put it out. I'm going to stop stop worrying about that. I think. It's funny. I sent my investor update to Tiny Seed yesterday and uh, kind of do three three categories, like or four categories. At the top, I just like break down the stats uh, for the last month, and then talk about you know what progress happened, what challenges are you facing, and what are your plans uh, coming up. Kind of break into three chunks. It's like on the progress front, I kind of summarize like. Um, progress i've made on on the product the the high level you know impactful features i've shipped and by the time i got done with that section i was like oh there's a lot here you know it feels pretty good but then on the challenges section like the only thing i could really find to list off is like i am continue to be somewhat anxious about pace of product development and eventually want to hire somebody to help in that front but i feel like investing in marketing right now is is a better use of funds and um Rob emailed me back and was like, I had to laugh at this because I got through reading the top section. It's like, damn, he's really moving fast. And then only to read in your next section, like, I'm a little bit concerned about pace. <laughs> so, but I think that's something that I'm, I will probably always be the case, like holding. And I also simultaneously, I wrote back, I was like, I simultaneously feel good about pace because, you know, it's like, yeah, it feels like I am getting a lot done, but also just know how much how much work there is to to still do and build good software but yep yeah i don't know that seems that feels probably inescapable ish yeah yeah short of uh, a lot of meditation or something yeah right it's mostly a me problem not an actual problem with the business right it's a brain thing <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 i think it'd be good for you to keep doing that the tweet thing yeah i think um, your work as you go yeah i'm hoping that i'm, I'm kind of kind of in a groove and figured out like a format that works well so i want to keep that up um are, are you at a uh, four-figure mrr yet not yet getting really really close though i will be sure to. Nice. Have, I, I hope by the next well we're recording on a monday and we're recording again later this week but hopefully within the next couple of recordings it uh i should cross over that line so very cool i mean that's that's i feel like that's when it starts to get kind of real yeah yeah it's like those, those th- thousands of mrr it's like okay this is like we're getting up to like rent or mortgage or whatnot. Mm-hmm. It starts mm-hmm. to become a, a thing. It's exciting. My my overall anxiety level is gradually incrementally going down. I because I can feel the traction and I can you know grew by eighty percent last month and like things are feeling good and it's like I have been in this kind of realm of non default aliveness for a while now since leaving Drip. So. I was sharing with some friends that like some in my mastermind that like this is it's fine it feels like the pressure is finally starting to come off just a little bit on from myself of like needing to get traction because I can start to feel it so that feels good yeah very cool that's awesome well and one other update too so I I mentioned this last time but didn't name the person by name but I have someone starting part-time to help out with marketing stuff and that person is Corey Haynes formerly from uh, from Bear Metrics, and he runs Swipe Files now, and he's basically decided to go out on his own um, a couple of months ago, I think, and has been kind of hustling on his own stuff, but also doing consulting on the side. And I've been following him for years on Twitter, know his chops, you know, kind of know he's a smart guy and entrepreneurial, and that's kind of the the type of generalist that I want at this stage. So we, we got to talking, and, and it worked out. 
So I'm super cool. stoked. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I, uh, I know Corey a little bit and he's, he seems awesome. I think he'll be good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys talked about what he's going to specifically start with? Yeah. So, I mean, we actually have a call today. We're kick, kicking off, kicking off today, but I've started like filing some, some tickets to scope out some projects and, and we've kind of batted back and forth over email a bit. And I think, I think it's really going to be focusing on running through some positioning exercises. I think like April Dunford type stuff, just to make sure that like, positioning is aligned as as best we can right now for who we're trying to go after and then and then probably crafting some experiments to validate traction channels that we could, we could potentially invest in it's like i know probably most most things we're trying to start flywheels here so most of those will take some time they may not have immediate results but trying to devise some experience experiments to get a sense for like what what things will will be most effective, um, whether it's content or investing in SEO or or whatever. So, I think um, probably running some experiments and then also trying to just brainstorm, think outside the box a little bit. What can we do that's unique to us? You know? Yeah, um, that sounds cool. Are are most of the people signing up now kind of the developer types, microconf type crowd? I would say, yeah, a good chunk of them from from that community specifically. Also, a good chunk of people that I don't I don't personally know or haven't met, but are founders. So I would say, like, I think I'm predominantly founders right now. Um, almost everyone, you know. So, and that's where the messaging is is kind of positioned towards, which is good because I think it's a good one to start with for me because they're you know kind of early adopter types by nature. They tend to be they want want kind of best tool for the job they make decisions for themselves on what tooling they use so they're they're in a good decision making position to just throw down the credit card and if it works well for them they if they're a little bit further along they'll have probably a team of people that they want to invite in so i think it's like i feel good about targeting them first you know cool yeah that sounds good yeah if you are going to target them it almost seems like you would want to like change your positioning and messaging and whatnot to talk about that yeah that specific use case yeah yeah it might be a little tricky to like well you might need like another feature or two that kind of looks like hey this is for like here's the founder scheduling problem right right and why this feature makes sense for that yeah i think that's where like april dunford has some good ideas about like straddling the line of like keeping keeping things general enough where you don't exclude too many people too early but also like taking somewhat of a stance on who you're for it's a, it's a careful balance i think at this stage yep cool well it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how the marketing thing works i'm curious to hear the results of that yeah like, yeah can can you add a part-time person and have them focus on these things and then, and then get like good results from it right right because it's not something that i see happening too often i guess in our immediate circle i see a lot of a lot of hiring first for development help and and the C, the founder ceo focusing on the marketing side and so this is some kind of flipping it on the conventional way that people go um yeah i mean i think it makes perfect sense for you given yeah. your skills yeah uh, agreed but I, I'm, I'm just i'll be interested to see how how it works out mm-hmm. yep cool anything else going on in your your side i think that's the bulk of it what's uh, what's been going on with you uh, I spoke at a virtual conference mm-hmm. a little while back. It was okay. Yeah. <laughs> the talk was fine. I was like pretty happy with the talk, but I just real I was realizing like the thing this won't shock you. The thing I like about conferences is like the people and then like the performance, like the being on stage and and 
doing your thing. And so this is kind of like <laughs> all of the talk prep and work, but none of the payoff. Yeah, that's a good reminder. Like I, I have seen you do talks and you are generally somewhat interactive with the audience, like do little warm ups at the beginning, you figure out ways to like weave in, like getting audience participation to make sure people are staying awake. Like you're, you're pretty masterful at that from what I've seen. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. And I like, I like hopping like off the stage and walking around and like just improving as I, you know, think of some random thing. And this is like pre-recorded in my apartment and then a Q and a afterwards. And it was kind of like, eh, I don't, I think this is like, I, it's, it's tough. You know, it's like, it's what we, it's what we have right now, but at least in terms of my personal enjoyment, it's, it's not the same, of course. But whatever, I was glad I tried it as like a marketing activity. And now I have like a 20 minute talk on pair programming. So I can record that separately and put that somewhere else and whatnot. So it's, it's uh, there were some, some good byproducts from it, I think. Any results early on from your, you did that interview with, with uh, the Shopify engineering yeah. leader, right? Farhan. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like I, I'm not doing a ton of like marketing attribution tracking or whatnot got shared around well like the the shopify engineering twitter account tweeted it out and we, it's uh it's got a lot of attention and views and whatnot but hard to measure that kind of stuff <laughs> we don't yeah. ask people when they sign up how they heard about us but yeah uh you know looks okay cool cool. maybe if i had a marketing person they would make me <laughs> yeah rather than later yep yep as we said with this twitter thing it's like sometimes people enter the funnel in a kind of a weird way and they hang out for a while and then figuring out exactly what got them into the orbit and then finally make the purchase decision. It's it's kind of a messy thing anyway, this attribution idea. So I, I kind of just have been not worrying about it too much. And as long as we get enough trials and enough of them convert, it's kind of like, I think that's okay. I think we're doing all right. Yeah, just kind of biased towards tracking the, the highest level business metrics and are things going in the right direction? Well, then probably some things we're doing are working. <laughs> yeah. And right. like, am I making things that developers think are useful and cool and build our brand positively and act as enduring assets? I think so. Yeah, it seems like it. So, okay. I think we're probably, probably good. seems hard to go too wrong in that. As I have more time and we get more sophisticated, we can do things like, okay, which of these particular activities seems to have the most ROI? Let's double down on those. Right. Yeah. But you kind of have to kind of have to throw stuff out there and, and read the tea leaves a little bit and see like, okay, when I do a video like this, like, yeah, this gets a lot of lift. And I think, I think if we get more, invest even more in this and start tracking stuff like that, you know, you could get more sophisticated down the line. Yeah, exactly. More on that in a second. But I also had a cool experience last week, which is Stripe Climate launched to the public, which is Stripe's initiative where you can very easily opt into donating a percentage of your revenue. Uh, and have a go-to fighting climate change we were in an early beta for that and then it launched uh, last week and right at the top of this page like stripe.com slash climate is the tuple logo very cool like an example (laughs) page showing like oh yeah tuple's using this and it's like oh my god Uh, which is, is is super cool for us that is very cool yeah you have some friends over at stripe you seem to be in on betas and stuff on the on the inside track with stripe i you know i I think it maybe started with Patrick McKenzie. Okay. Yeah. Um, and like we kind of got into like a, a beta and then like I guess we gave good feedback or they or they like us or something. And so we just kind of we, we've been asked for a few other things. We're game and we like it. So it's like we've sort of we developed a little bit of a nice little partnership informally, which is cool. We get access to stuff early and then we get to help kind of shape the development a little bit. And it's it's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably how honestly like some of the 
the strongest uh, or, or best like partnerships are formed is kind of more organically and not like you didn't like cold email them and say, hey, I would really like to be featured on your climate landing page. Like, right. Yeah. Like this just came kind of through the other direction of like growing the relationship, which is probably something that uh, something to keep in mind as I think about like how to how to form good partnerships with with companies and like. Uh, you've provided them value by giving them feedback on their early stuff, and like it's been this kind of thing that's grown over time. Yeah, it's it's win win, which yeah. is cool. Yeah, it's nice when those opportunities are available. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's cool. And man, that's it's a testament to them too. Where like they're they're as big as they are, and they still do these. It's clear they have this process of like. All right, we're going to start with a really minimal alpha. We're going to reach out to certain companies we think would be a good fit. We're going to invite them to a Slack channel and like get their feedback constantly. On like, I had a call with a product manager there, and like at that point, all she had was kind of like just like mockups done in Keynote. It was just like really rough, you know, like A or B. Which of these looks more interesting? Okay, which of these looks more interesting? B or C? And just like just really just like at the highest level, kind of taking my temperature on some some things. And it's clear that they're they're doing this all throughout. And like we have some, we're part of some like you know betas or like betas that are getting closer to launch. And it's like the the they're asking more detailed feedback. And but all, all on the way, it's like here's a survey, here's a Slack message, here's an email. Can you want to call? Like they're they're just really kind of ravenous for the for the customer feedback. Yeah, it's so smart. And they they seem to have like systematized it. They're not just yeah. They're not just this really unique snowflake of a company that just has a bunch of like really rock star you know developers and designers on like they just they have a they have a process obviously that they work and it produces good good product right yeah totally i saw a twitter thread by somebody who's talking about how stripe works and this person said something like one of the only ways you can really get in trouble at stripe is by not getting user feedback on the thing you're working on (laughs) nice yeah that's like yeah, that, that sounds true. It seems like Based a good co- core principle to have at play with anything you're building. Yeah, totally. Good. And yeah, and I, I've it's just so clear to me, having seen this a few times, like that they really start it very early. It's like pre-development, and then when there's one feature out of the hundred that they're going to need, they they have you know two or three or five teams using it, and like they just are getting feedback from the earliest days and continually soliciting as they build. Right. Right. That's good. That's a good muscle buildup, man. <laughs> yeah, and then it doesn't, and it doesn't end. Remember, I, I, I think I told the story about being at MicroConf, and like Stripe had sponsored it and sent a few engineers, like not marketing people, but like some of the devs behind, like uh, billing or checkout or something. And I remember talking to one of them, and he's like, "How's like?" Uh, he's like, All right, "Do you use it?" And I was like, "Yes." And he's like, "Oh, how's it working?" And I started to answer, and he like pulled out a notebook. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, All right, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah like this is this is not just an idle conversation this is real getting real customer feedback and like wrote my name down in my email so you could follow up on these things i was saying and it's, it's like damn that is that is how you do it that is amazing yeah i've been I, that's something i've gotten in the habit of doing we did this back at drip too i, I have an ever-evolving process on like logging when someone requests something and if it's something i'm likely to build that's already on the roadmap but it, Basically, if, it, if there's something that's on the roadmap somewhere in the backlog, at least I've created a ticket for it. I'm like, I intend to build this thing and someone requests it. Always like noting down their name in, a, in just a bulleted list on the thing. And then when it launches, of course, doing all the regular like public, you know, put it on the change log and maybe email customers and stuff. But also like following up on the original thread, like resurfacing that, th- that thread in support or wherever they reached out and like, hey, by the way, this thing's live. And people love that, you know. 
closing that feedback loop personally. Yeah. And it's not that hard, but like following up with people is like just really, it, it, it's powerful. It's not a complicated thing, but it's so rarely done. Yep. Yeah. One liner is good enough. It doesn't, you don't have to write paragraphs. In fact, you yeah. should not. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah. So I've also been working on a job description and it's undergone a lot of revisions. As of now, the title on it is Senior Product Designer, I think is where I'm ending up. But that, that even just the title of what do we call this has changed three times. <laughs> okay. Um, but so the, the gist is like someone to help shape the roadmap, like take all the feedback from all the places and figure out what's, what's the priority and what the order should be and what should be on there at all. And then also do sort of individual contributor design work to like, you know, okay, we, we've agreed we want to do X. How does that work? Where does it go in the UI? What happens when you click the button? That kind of thing. And it's been awesome to be able to get so much feedback. So like I'm in a Slack um, with a bunch of ex-ThoughtBotters. And so I like shared that there and like a bunch of ThoughtBot designers gave me a lot of feedback on it. I shared it with you. I've shared it with Wathen. I've been distributing it pretty widely and getting a lot of feedback. And it's like really kind of honing in on what, what we actually want what do we call it? What should the salary range be? Uh, all, all these things. Like what's missing from here? Uh, and it's just been, it's man, what a luxury to have that much, you know, of a network to be able to get that much feedback on something before even putting it out there. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, think of your, your job descriptions even as uh, part of your product cycle that you need feedback on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Mm-hmm. I mean, and because yeah, it's like, yeah, that's the, the company product is the, is the meta product. Yep. So it's, yep. it needs the same same love and attention. Yeah. Um, but so I'm, I think I'm getting close to a final version that I'm happy with, uh, which is exciting because having this role would be really nice. Like it feels like a, a kind of a pretty core piece that we're missing someone really great in. And also because I'm feeling more and more like I want to dedicate more of my time to marketing. So like having someone own the roadmap and have that officially not be a thing I, I'm like doing that much work on, like contributing to yes, but not not being responsible for. Uh, sounds really nice. I'm optimistic this could be a really good hire for us. I think it'll be a hard, a difficult person to find. I think it could be pretty pretty huge if we can pull it off. What were like the key points of evolution of this of this like job description? Because to me that sounds on the surface sort of like like what you traditionally call a product manager or a director of product or something. You're kind of looking for that hybrid skill set of like you should have, you know, be a product person, then also be able to wade into the design realm. So is that where like product design came from? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that, that's been sort of a tr- the tricky element of it, which is yeah. like I had like kind of like a we I tried for a while being like, is this a head of product? Right. And got some feedback where it's like not r- like that's probably not the right title for a company our size with like a product team of one. Yeah, um, <laughs> right. that's that's something you probably hire later mm-hmm. um, to build out that organization or to, mm-hmm. to manage the existing organization. Right. And especially if like what we're looking for is a fair amount of individual contributor work, that's probably not a head of product person. And yeah, originally it was kind of just like, oh, is this a product designer? Is it a product manager? Like a product manager, it kind of is that, except that the design piece is a big part of what we're missing here. So if it's just like, yeah, I just talk to users and then figure out what we should do. And write specs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. But it's like now we have the sort of the same problem as before, which is like, okay, great. We all agree this feature would be great, but like, how is it going to work? I think this, this sort of senior product designer idea is like, okay, if you're a senior person, 
you're almost certainly expected to have some roadmap influence, right? Like it's, you've gone beyond just doing the designs and now you're expected to have, you know, product sense and ability to talk to users and, and that sort of thing, operating at a bit more of a strategic level. Um, so that feels kind of like the right spot for me. And the salary range that we're, we're like ready to pay is like a, is senior level. Um, so we, we, it seems like we could probably find someone there. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like this person would, I mean, they'll have a lot of IC work, individual contributor work right now, but do you feel like this person also could be the person that grows into like managing a, a small team of designers, like eventually finding a Lieutenant like to, to join their team and report to them kind of thing? Or do you think you'll stay decently flat where like eventually you'll look for a designer and they'll report up to you and kind of be next to this product uh, designer person? I'm not totally sure. We like keeping the team pretty lean. It could be the case that with the right person, we can get away with just them for a while if they have the right set of skills. If we do get to the point where we feel like we need to keep expanding that team, Sure, it might be nice if they have that ability and want to move into a management role. But to me, it, it wouldn't be a deal breaker if they didn't on either of those. We're, we're at the size of like strong individual contributors are probably mostly what we want. Kind of like multi, multi-talented multi kind of or multi-skilled individual contributors are probably about the right thing. There's just not enough people or complexity for a more pure management type yet, I think. Yeah, I'm of the mind that it still makes a lot of sense to stay pretty flat until, you know, if you reach the point where you have like literally like 100 or more people or something, then like that's where hierarchy makes more sense. But like, I mean, I think feel like base camp at 50 is still pretty flat. And yeah, uh, you know, if we ever hit 100 people, I would blow my mind. I can't, <laughs> be the most ridiculous thing. That's, that feels like ridiculous. That feels like pure fantasy at this point. Or not even but like not even good. It doesn't even sound good. Like I'm not like. I'm not like attracted to the idea of like a large organization inherently, but if we were like, yeah, that's, that's how big we needed to be to do what we wanted, but uh, that would be crazy. Have know. you thought about what your vision is for, for like growing the company? Like how big do you want to get it? And like, what, what are your, what are your aspirations for that in terms of like, I guess ambitions for revenue and headcount and like what kind of company do you want to work in? Like to me, the motivating factor is around like quality more than size of company or, or revenue exactly it's it's more like we want to make really great software that people love and then like have like great marketing that people think is cool and interesting and and that sort of thing and so to me i'm kind of thinking of it as like what's the minimum team size of badasses that we need to have great things in all the categories that we're doing to achieve the quality that we want it might end up working really well <laughs> <laughs> we'll see i hope so that, that feels like a pretty good strategy to me like it's just like code right where it's like code is an asset and a liability you know the asset part is the thing it's is that is the value it gives to customers and the liability is the fact that you have to maintain it um and it has bugs in it and all that and people have the same sort of duality and so it's like if we can build great software and great have, you know give people great experiences with fewer people then that's almost always better i think I don't find it appealing to have a have large have more people just for people's sake. I don't know, and I don't think about revenue numbers exactly. Where I'm like, I mean, it'd be cool to hit certain milestones. Like, there's there's things where I'm like, ooh, if in the if we keep growing at this rate, in 18 months we'll hit this number. That's fun, but like, man, it just, just does not does not satisfy. 
every milestone we've hit we're like wow and then like 10 minutes later it's like oh okay next problem (laughs) yep it's really nothing nothing in there unfortunately yeah yeah which is good um good wisdom to to remind people because i think people over they uh they give a little too much weight to financial miles revenue milestones probably Um, yeah i think the like sustainably profitable one is like kind of like the last the last one that matters or like in, in a way I mean, there's other great things that you can do as you get as you have revenue. Like the fact that we can hire a senior designer is because we've grown to a certain point. That's so there's it's undeniable that there is like positive upshot to it. But in terms of like lasting mental happiness or satisfaction, it's just like, no, that's it's like a beautiful present box. And then you open it up and there's nothing inside. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. This is where I think it gets important to know what you're what do you really care about? What are you really aiming for? Because. Once you achieve the point where like, yep, the company is stable, I get to, I get a nice salary and I, you know, own this asset. But like beyond that, it's like, well, what now? <laughs> you know, so like, are, are you trying to just like then at that point, you better enjoy your job because if you created a job for yourself that you hate, then it's like, cool, I could be drawing a salary probably similar to what I'm drawing right now. And maybe I'd love my job more. So it's like, you got to have, there's got to be a, you know the company you actually want to work for right yeah I, i'm also interested in issuing giant dividend checks for the record <laughs> that's part of the that's part of the journey again that's not like a a deeply fulfilling you know makes you happy kind of thing but like i don't want it to be just like oh yeah i could make the same amount of money at a job i to, to me part of the reward of this is like yeah your, your compensation can be linked to just your ability to make more value in the world mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we run with a, a very healthy profit margin and I'm very interested in maintaining that, like the the idea of just just reinvesting almost everything back into the business is not a a strategy that interests me, honestly. Like I want to reinvest in it, but like let's have enough that we can reinvest and then also you know take stuff out and be and make money along the way. How do you go about calculating how much to reinvest? Like I don't know, should we build out a whole team to build the Linux client, or should we cut ourselves a nice bonus this year? Like how do you go about? thinking that through or is it just kind of go by feel (laughs) so we've been doing it by quarter so far and we kind of we've sit down and we say like all right here's here's how much margin there is here's how much money we could do invest if we want to and then we kind of talk about it in terms of like what do we want to do like do we want to hire what what might that cost are there things we want to spend money on that are substantial that we should should plan in but i i like this kind of idea of like set your target profit margin and then run the business on the rest and like that's and then like you're always going to be profitable and you'll always be making money along the way and it's like yeah if you want to hire more people than you can well grow some and then or then hire those people yeah the idea of founders who have built multi-million dollar SaaS companies but are like making a normal salary and not taking distributions to me is uh that sounds terrible which i think is the position of honestly a lot of SaaS founders you know from what i've heard yeah i think that feels wrong to me it feels wrong in the same way that's like everyone taking vc feels wrong where it's like yeah the if you just don't pay attention if you don't think about it enough and intend be intentional you might just hop onto the vc track because that's what everyone seems to be doing and you might not stop and be like wait a minute should we be on the vc track this doesn't make sense for us it feels like reinvesting all your profit feels kind of similar which is like Yes, you can kind of always make this argument that it, like, yeah, you should reinvest profit and then it makes the business, it's like it'll increase the whatever and it makes the business more valuable. And it's like you're, you're pushing uh, returns down the line. But it's like you can kind of always make that 
justification. So like, are you going to be five years into this and have a $10 million SaaS and like take home a hundred grand? Like, is that, that seems just, I don't know. And then you're, then you're like in the like, well, I guess I have to sell to make any money thing. Like you've, you've gone the VC route accidentally, but without the funding. Yeah. My sense is a lot of companies do this out of not by choice, but necessity. They're on just thin enough margins. Like, you know, SaaS companies are high profit margin in the sense of like, we don't have a lot of fixed costs, like capital investments we have to make right we rent our servers and all that kind of stuff if you're following the kind of playbook of like only hire when it really really hurts you know i think a lot of companies ascribe to that and yet that hiring for roles where it really really hurts they really need help keeps them basically at that razor thin like like we're we're in pain and we grow just a little bit and we grow just enough to be able to hire the next person to alleviate the pain that we're in. Like, I think that's the position that a lot, that's certainly what we were in at Drip for a long time, you know, where it's like we had a, a really small team of developers. We had a, a support person. We had some, uh, you know, customer support staff. And we felt like we were barely keeping up with the work that we had to do to continue to move the business forward. And we were basically at like kind of kind of bumping up against you know profitability for a long time what prevented you from having larger margins like why why couldn't you have run drip with 40 percent margins or something i think it's just i mean the, the the cost of growing the business you know and growing and maintaining the business like supporting it providing demos and customer success like yeah you had so much support requests that you needed a t- like to pay for a full-time person you had a lot of server costs or a lot of email sending costs or something. Yep. Yep. Just everything added up spent on personnel. I mean, there was, there was tons of profit. If you subtract the personnel, it's all in personnel. I think that's where a lot of companies are at. You know, I think you guys are in a somewhat of a unique situation where there's, where there's a nice, a nice bit of uh, you know, free cash flow on top of your current personnel costs, um, which is, which is fantastic. <laughs> but, but I think a lot of companies aren't necessarily doing it by choice is what, you know, my sense is. Sure. I know my experience is like so colored by my current situation that is not applicable to everyone. So like, I don't think I actually have much advice or, or wisdom to offer here. Sometimes you like learn how to do more with less, I think, if you have to. Whereas like, okay, if we decided that we have to have this margin, how could we make the business work at, at this headcount, for example? I wonder if some people could maybe make some changes where it's like, oh, you don't maybe like, oh, we thought we needed to do this, but it turns out if we had a better whatever, we could we could do it differently. Yeah. I think also like something that we kind of enjoy, right? Like I'm enjoying it on a small scale, you're enjoying it on a larger scale is like being able to do kind of marketing activities that don't come with a specific price tag on them. You know, like tuples growing and you're doing sales, but that has ROI on it, right? And you have... And then you're doing kind of a Twitter strategy where you're kind of just uh, getting kind of word of mouth spun up through the community. And that's driving a lot of a lot of adoption and stuff. And those things don't come with like you're not investing, you know, $20,000 a month into those marketing strategies to get eventual ROI. But I think that's also the other thing that a lot of companies have to do. Like if they're, you know, if we're going to do content, we're going to do it right. We're going to pay a lot of money to writers and it's going to be. It's going to take a while for that to pay off, but you have to like, you know, continually invest the money into that. Or if you're doing SEO or if you're doing whatever, you know, I think a lot of these things do require cash investments um, unless they happen to be, you know, kind of more word of mouthy type things that can just organically happen. Um, yeah, so. makes sense. I was listening to a podcast with the CEO of like a very enterprisey B2B SaaS company. Mm-hmm. And he was saying like their average customer value is something like a hundred grand a year. 
mm-hmm. and the average cost to acquire a customer is a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. so right. Like, oh my. Wow. Um, yep. So yeah, there are businesses where the payback period is uh not even in the first year. Yep. Oh totally. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Right. So you're telling me uh, check my privilege? A little bit. Check, a little check bit, my I business think. privilege? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'd be curious to know, like, uh, like, have you guys attempted to calculate your your cost to acquire a customer, your CAC? Uh, I don't uh, know. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I, and it might be negligible at this point, <laughs> you know? I mean, we haven't, I don't think we spent money on acquiring any, like, no paid ads, and we don't pay anyone to do marketing. Like, I do marketing activities, so... I guess my salary is customer acquisition cost or something. Uh, you could say. So uh, I'm not sure. I would say it's it's pretty pretty minimal at this point. Yep. Yep. Nothing to be sad about. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like yeah, it's it's, a, it's nice. It's a good life. Things yep. are good. Yeah. I'm a lucky guy. That's pretty long. Why don't we uh, wrap it up here? Let's wrap it. Yeah. But I have another topic. But we'll push it to next week. Cool. Sounds good. All right. Uh, notes of the show notes of the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com thanks for listening see ya